Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Friday, April the 26th, 2019. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia, and you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Welcome in, everybody, and you may be asking, why a couple of days early, Mike? What's going on? Well, you know, when you have news like you have the last few days with the Mets... Passing on Gio Gonzalez and then the whole nonsense that I'll get into with the bean brawl or the non-bean brawl or the, you know, throwing behind the head situation with the Mets and Phillies. You don't you don't really want to wait till Sunday. And I thought the time was right, a day off on Thursday. And I had a chance to catch up with our buddy over at New York Sports Day, Rich Mancuso. It's been a while. Rich always kind of brings his own brand of heat to the program. And uh, he's been pretty clued in even way back into the offseason with uh, the comings and goings of Gio Gonzalez, and, and I want to get his thoughts on the Mets, or maybe we, it's even Gio passing on an opportunity for the second time to come together and, and potentially be part of the Mets rotation or the bullpen or things like that. I'll, I'll give you my comments on Gonzalez in a second. The news came down uh, as I was about to sit down with Rich, uh, who I spoke with yesterday, and you'll hear that in a minute that the league has suspended Jacob Rahm two games for throwing behind Reese Hoskins' head. And I got to tell you, the whole situation with that is just patently absurd. Uh, There did seem to be some tensions uh, uh, flaring, potentially, but I didn't think it was anything more than maybe the Phillies were annoyed about the Mets running down 8-0. By the way, the Phillies ran rough shot over the Mets the week before. I didn't see the Mets get all upset about that any way, shape, or form, getting blown out as part of it. I didn't see the Mets do anything that was over and above just playing the game. And, and in today's game, with the way the ball flies out, with the home runs, I don't really think 8 nothing is one of those situations where you can say, yeah, it's comfortable, it's close, but I wouldn't pass on an opportunity to add runs in today's ball game. You just don't know. And the Phillies, even without Gene Segura, and, and I know that lineup is without him is, is a little bit, uh, thinner than normal. I mean, they have some offensive players. The Mets' bullpen hasn't been great. I know I'm rationalizing to a certain degree, but I, I don't think there was anything that happened with uh, the, the run or the, the the run and hit. Or I don't think it was a hit and run that, that you know, warranted any kind of beam brawl. Now, with Rom, here's a guy that's a 4A player. Anybody who has spent time paying attention or – the Phillies, who should have scouts paying attention, knows that the guy's a, a borderline major leaguer. He's a guy who throws hard. He's 4A. He doesn't always have the best command and control. 
And he's up there because the Mets need some fresh arms. I question him over you know, Paul Sewald. I know Paul Sewald went down. Uh, I'm sure as um, if Justin Wilson gets healthy quickly, who knows what's going on there, that Rom will be back in the minor leagues. And he may be back in the minor leagues this weekend. Who knows what's going on there. That's not the point. The point is, is that he threw inside because that's what Island's been preaching. I don't think he had any intention to throw at the guy's head. I know a 97-mile-an-hour fastball it's scary. It's not the first 97-mile-an-hour fastball that got away from a pitcher. And to make this out, for the media to make this out twofold, number one, they would try and incite tensions because they're bored. They would try and incite tensions. They they did it immediately post-game with both clubhouses, trying to get Kapler to say something. And that's their job to report because Hoskins got angry. But I never saw anybody, and maybe I missed it, and if I did, tweet at me, let me know. But I never saw anybody really try to be the voice of reason in the media on this and say, hey, guys, did it ever occur to you that the ball got away from him? Now, Travis Darnot, according to the reports, had told Hoskins that he was trying to pitch inside. Hoskins didn't want to hear it. And he was hot. He was afraid of of the ball hitting him in the head. But I didn't see that narrative pushed at all throughout the media. And this is where the problem lies. They incited this. Nobody had that conversation. So the next day... All is well. Uh, Hoskins then, and, and late in the game, the Phillies go out. They put on a bunch of runs late. They shut the Mets out 6 nothing. Hoskins runs around the bases in about, you know, uh, you know, 172 minutes as he did his slow trot. And now the day after, Rahm is suspended two games. A guy making the league minimum loses two days of pay and has to pay a fine. I know he's going to appeal it. I just think it's wrong altogether. It's again an example of the league overreacting. And the league better re- realize this. And and, I, and, and and I'm glad they're taking safety seriously because they didn't really care back in, and I hate to sound like this because we're going back 20 years now, they didn't care about safety in 2000 with a Hall of Fame player that got hit in the head, in the helmet, intentionally, obviously intentionally, back then. They have a young player who's good, who knows how good he's going to be, who is facing a 4A pitcher who's trying to make his name in the league with a ball that got away. They're going to punish him, but they didn't see need to punish the player 20 years ago. And you know who I'm talking about. I'm not even going to get into that because, you know, maybe that's silly for me to even say it, but it came to mind. So the league wants to get to the point where you're going to become regular season NBA with the the three-point shooting contest that sometimes goes on because you can't touch anybody anymore. Or NFL, maybe regular season and or postseason where the wide receiver can't be, you can't breathe on a wide receiver anymore and a flag gets thrown. You're going to be having a lot of eight, seven games, a lot of long four-hour bullpen games. You got to be able to respect the way the game is, and the fact that the Mets on the island are starting to come inside and and and, and get guys' feet moving is is the only way that I see whether you have the talent of the pitching staff that the Mets have or not that you could be successful. You can't have these guys leaning over the plate, sitting on fastballs, waiting for the hanger. You're just going to have home run derby. And maybe that's what they want because they think that's what millennials want and that's what entertainment is all about. I personally think we got to stop with the nonsense and let games organically develop and grow. I've said that a lot. And I, maybe I'm overreacting to the whole Jacob Rahm suspension, but this is ridiculous. It's absurd. The Mets cannot back down. I know, I'd be curious how things will be played out when they go back and uh, meet the Phillies later this year. Are there going to be warnings, whatnot? And let's hope it doesn't get to the point where something stupid happens, because I don't think it'll happen from the Mets' point of view. 
that they don't throw at Pete Alonso's wrist or or Cano's head or or any of that stuff. We don't want any. And look, we didn't. I don't want to see Reese Hoskins get hurt either. You want this all to be played out on the field. And I and I know because any of you, me, or any of us were up there at the plate, we'd be nervous and and really scared at a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball, and that could really hurt you. But. You also have to understand that there's a hurt risk. You could collide with the fence. You could run into your teammate with a collision. You could gruesomely break an ankle or whatever. I mean, we've seen it. Cliff Floyd's wrist running down first base. There's a lot of bad things that could happen in baseball or any sport. Uh, you can't start legislating everything so that not a single bad thing will happen. I can't see where anybody in the league looked at this video, watched the situation, and said, let me suspend Jacob Brom because he intentionally threw it uh, at his head. Other than the fact they want to send a message, and maybe this is it, they want to send a message to both these teams and say, stop it now, we're going to suspend you, we're going to hit you in the pocketbook. But the guy you're hitting in the pocketbook is the guy that least likely probably needs to give away any more money. Than, than, you know, so this is not the, the 15 to $20 million a year ball player here. You're talking about the league minimum guy getting suspended and fined. It's, it's absurd. So... Much to do about nothing. The media created all this. The Phillies, if they want to use this as a rallying cry, they got more problems than than anything. They already lost after this. I can't be all oh, the Phillies have been fired up. They're gonna away they go. Well, they lost the next night to the Marlins. You know they scored one run, and 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 again, they had one run going in the eighth inning, and they scored the majority of their runs off of a four A pitcher in Rom, where Reese Hoskins got his uh, revenge, and. Uh, an inconsistent middle reliever like Robert Gazelman. That's pretty much, you know, every team has those. So that could have happened against anybody. It didn't have to happen against the Mets. So I don't know really where the fired up happened because Jason Vargas, who we'll get to next, not that he pitched great, but he battled through four and two-thirds. And uh, if you thought they were going to be fired up, it was going to be over that. So uh, enough of the nonsense. We'll see what, our, our, what Rich Mancuso says about that. Now, as far as the, the rotation, I'm a little disappointed they didn't sign Gio Gonzalez. It sounds like uh, he had a, a better opportunity to start with the Mets, uh, excuse me, with the Brewers than the Mets. And that came down to it. Here's all I can think about it. I'll take from the Mets' point of view and then my thoughts. The Mets' point of view is probably he's not that much of an upgrade when you start to look at the analytics and the overall pie than Vargas. Bringing him in means either he comes out of the bullpen, which he didn't want. Now, if you give him what he wants, which is a guaranteed or a pretty guaranteed fifth slot, you got to move Vargas to the bullpen. You already had you seen Vargas once have a bad bullpen outing, so you don't you don't really have confidence, and he's not really been a reliever throughout his career. So you look at it, you're signing a guy for two three million bucks, maybe more. You have a guy making eight million in the rotation, going into a role that he doesn't necessarily like. You may screw the guy up you have now by putting him in the pen. And then the guy you sign, Gonzalez, may not be that much better or he may be bad. Now you've really dumped more money into a situation and you're not necessarily any better than you are before. You may be worse. I think that's what they're thinking. As far as um, you know, where they go forward, I said last week when I did the, the, the State of the Union podcast on Sunday – if you ask me now, at the beginning of the season, if you ask me what they need, I'd say a starter. I say you got to go get the starter, and and I think they're going to need to get some depth because Gallo, Flexen, Oswalt, it's a small sample size. Each botched an opportunity to show that they're good six, number six or seven depth in terms of rotation. 
And maybe if the Mets have two, three starters go down, any team, it's going to be a problem. Mets specifically may have big problems. So I originally said they got to go after the starter. But now that I saw the bullpen where I don't really feel comfortable about Familia, Justin Wilson's hurt, some ominous signs with the elbow. Diaz has been great. Lugo's starting around into form. I think Zamora could be a really useful piece against lefties. Oh, you know, there's a few of this 4A stuff going on with Jacob Rahm and Seawald. Uh, who, who the heck knows what you're going to get out of those guys? Those guys are going to be guys that come into mop-up or in long games. But you've seen the mop-up guys, they let things spiral. That's why you have such an odd run differentiation with the Mets. Because, you know, 5 nothing games that could end 5-1 turn into 10-1 because the, the bullpen just gets blitzed. So you really need necessarily if you have one thing now and i've changed since the beginning of the year to invest in a reliever now kimbrell's out there i wouldn't give kimbrell three years remember what i said the guy wants a one-year deal and this is where it's tricky because there's draft picks involved and maybe this is all going to get wacky right after the draft and you'll see mets and a bunch of other teams go after these guys in june and i think that's probably what will happen and that's a six weeks away so a lot could happen your season can unwind in six weeks you can't totally. You hope it doesn't totally unwind, and you have time to get things together. But there could be a problem if your bullpen is really bad. So the decision on the draft pick—that's a whole other debate. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because it's about winning now and winning in the future. And if the Mets are balancing that right now about losing a draft pick for a guy that you're only going to have here a short time, it also could be about the multiple years, which I would not give Kimbrel. If you watched Game Four of the Division Series, Red Sox Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Kimbrell had a chance to close out a series, and he nearly handed it back. And if they had lost that game, the Red Sox, I really believe, even with Chris Sale on the mound in Boston, uh, the following uh, game, the following day, or day off and another day later, I, I think the Yankees would have won the series. I think they would have, and then you could have pointed to that great comeback in the ninth inning, facing elimination as a turning point, and maybe the whole postseason's different. Maybe the Red Sox, you know, obviously the Red Sox don't go on. Maybe it's the Yankees that win the World Series. I don't think so. I thought the Yankees were an overrated team. But if you watch that inning, Kimbrell had nothing. He he made a big pitch to John Carlos Stanton. He had a couple of, he had a you know, big play in the field uh, at last play. You know, both, uh, you know, uh, Pierce making a great, great play at first to get the out. That's not closing a game. That's surviving the ninth inning. And that's surviving Gary Sanchez's ball dropping about five feet short out there in left field. That would have been a game-winning home run. At that point, it told me I'm not sure this is a guy I want to invest big money to be my closer. Because that's what you pay your closer for. You could get a lot of guys to save games against the Miami Marlins in June. A lot of guys. doesn't have to be Edwin Diaz. But what you really pay the closers is to get those big outs in October or late in the season when you really need it. And, and I'm worried that K- Craig Kimball could do that anymore. But right now, he's an upgrade over what you have. He's he you know Certainly you could get a pen uh, arm as you get later into the summer and into the trade deadline with now the new rules of the trade deadline. And, and I think that's how they're playing it. But you really better look at your pen now because if Familia is going to continue to be wildly inconsistent and downright bad, I don't know if you could wait till June 5th or whatever the draft is. You might need to make a move now. Let's hear what Rich Mancuso of New York Sports Day has to say. A lot of things you'll probably have to say about Gio Gonzalez. I know there's a lot of disappointment. I, I understand why the Mets did it. Uh, I would have brought the guy in and, and see if you could figure things out. Uh, but I think a bullpen arm is much more important. We'll see what he has to think about the pseudo-nonsense 
not pseudo, the nonsense with the suspension and, and the pseudo bean brawl and whatever else is going through his mind containing, uh, pertaining, geez, it's an early morning, forgive me, people, pertaining to the New York Mets. We'll be back with more and Rich Van Cuse of New York Sports Day right after this. Oh, hey, what the heck? That's ridiculous. Nothing like a good chest bumping match to get your blood flowing. Sometimes you need that to get you back on track, too. There's the warning. You know, look, the guy runs 8 nothing. Drew threw a couple pitches close to Conforto, and then, you know, Frazier got one thrown up and in, I guess, but that was before that, I believe. Well, and, before that, yeah. And now you want to throw over someone's head? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, no, that don't play. Mm -hmm. Who's pitching them off for us? Vince Oh, yeah. I like it. That does not play. Whoa. Ball four. Go get him. What the heck? And he's still in? He's yeah, still after the pitching. warnings. Wow. He's still in the game. I guess game. you got to hit him in the head. We're back and joining us, a uh, friend of the show, uh, New York Sports Day. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, you can check him out over there. And uh, he's been on many times. It's our buddy Rich Mancuso. Rich, a lot to talk about here. Uh, rare day off, uh, early season and uh, Thursday night. And uh, welcome to the program. And before we get to the, the Gio Gonzalez situation, which I know was the topic of the debate, the Mets pitching, News comes down just a couple hours ago that, uh, you know, is the is, is Major League Baseball becoming like the NFL where you can't touch a wide receiver? Jacob Rahm throws uh, a little inside. The, uh, media, the media makes a big deal. Reese Hoskins turns into a drama queen here. Maybe I shouldn't even be saying that. I could get in trouble. But um, it's absurd. Over all media hype, they, they suspend the guy for two games, uh, fine him, you know, a guy making the league minimum. I don't know what's going on here. I can't believe something so silly has turned into this. Uh, how you doing, number one? And let's, let's get right to I'm it, all right, man. Mike. Yeah, well, you know, uh, thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to be with you and uh, the fans. Uh, we're in a press box the other night looking at that whole situation, and we're wondering if it was, you know, was this intentional or not? I just think the ball, I, I, we don't think so. Think the ball slipped away. Uh, and then you go in the clubhouse after the game, and then you get try to quiz some of the players. And uh, Todd Fred just said, you know, you think there'll be any repercussions from this the next day, meaning last night. And Todd's response, it's baseball, meaning anything can happen. Um, I asked Dominic Smith, who was observing it, and, and Dom Smith said to me, what do you think? I mean, that's the question, you know, the answer you get back. We didn't think it was intentional, but there's obviously something been brewing with the Mets and Phillies. And, of course, this only escalates the rivalry that we expect to see with these two teams all season. But uh, the suspension, I was surprised to see that come down like that. Uh, as two games and uh, the fine, which he's going to appeal, by the way, uh, we didn't expect to hear that and to come down so quickly. But Major League Baseball, as you said, Mike, obviously 
they're getting very conscious about this stuff and they don't want to see these brawls, which in the early season, the first three weeks, we've seen a few of them uh, and some, some big ones too. So I think that they're, they're clamping down, but I don't think this was an intentional pitch at all, but I think it's going to have repercussions when these teams meet many more times the rest of the way. And anybody who remembers Roger Clemens, Mike Piazza, not to bring up an old story, but it's probably yeah. laughing that this is a big deal. I mean, yeah, dangerous, 97-mile-an-hour fastball thrown uh, behind them. I know he didn't he didn't like how uh, Travis Darno said they were trying to pitch inside. Look, the one thing about the Mets, and the data uh, supports this, even back to last year, since Dave Island took over, they like to pitch inside. And it's so important, yeah. the exact antithesis of what Dan Wortham preached. And um, this is something that if the game is not going to turn into uh, Nintendo baseball or, you know, f- uh, you know, kind of what you see fantasy baseball, what you see with the NFL, with the wide receivers, with the NBA, at least in the regular season where you can't touch anybody. And it's a three point shooting contest. I understand it's an entertainment business, but you cannot turn baseball into this carnival type of situation. And pitching inside is, is, is critically important. And you know what? The Mets should go right back and start throwing inside tomorrow. They they can't stop this. No, they can't. I mean, that, that's, hey, hasn't that been a bit of part of the game for years, throwing inside? The difference is, you know, years ago, when you threw inside, you weren't throwing heaters at 95 or more. That's the big difference. And I think since, uh, you know, more like Giancarlo with Stanton's injury a few years ago, when he was with the Marlins and a, lot, a few other guys that have been hit hard like that, uh, they're more conscious of that. And I think the umpires jump the gun too much. I really do. Do you? What do you determine though? Do is is it what is intent or not? And that's a question you always ask uh, if you get a chance to talk to an umpire or you, know, you get to ask the players what what is intent or not. And this came out of nowhere. That's what was, was the unexpected. It came out of nowhere. And all you could say is that there might be some friction there between the two. There might be a lot of this might be Gabe Kapler's, uh, you know, he's a fire. He fires up these Phillies. He, let's face it. He's that type of manager in his second year. He likes to fire up that club. Um, and this man is, uh, he manages aggressively. You know, he might have, uh, something might have been said earlier in the game, something, you know, who knows? We don't never really get to the thrust of the, the answer for the question we can ask them. We never know. But throwing inside has always been a part of the game, and uh, protecting the plate's always been a part of the game. The thing is that the velocity is much different. It's, it's 95 or more, so a pitch will get loose. And the thing that I guess is a little aggravating uh, and I know it's their job, and I know you're in the press box there. And look, I'm doing this show; it's entertainment. Again, you know, it's the pot calling the kettle black to a certain degree. But here, the media, you know, gets into this, you know, stirs the pot in the clubhouse. We go into the third game of the series, and now the story is: well, the Mets woke up the Phillies. Look, at some point, if the Phillies needed, would essentially Jacob Rom, with all due respect, right now is shown to be a four A player. Uh, and if the Phillies needed that to wake them up in April, I know. Uh, they got bigger problems. And l- last I looked, uh, there was a one nothing game, uh, and the Phillies scored all their runs against a 4A reliever, and like Rom, 
and an inconsistent middle reliever like Robert Gazelman. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. to me, there was no fired up. The Phillies didn't look all that fired up for seven innings uh, yesterday. They made some big no. pitches. Velasquez made some big pitches. Uh, and on the Mets, took two out of three. And, and I think this is going to be – the media is trying to build something, maybe because there's not a lot of rivalries anymore, you know, maybe because they're bored. Uh, but to me, that's where all this starts. And you hurt a player, a young player, that's mm. making the league minimum. And now you've labeled him. I think it's just very – I think it's irresponsible. I know it's part yeah, of the business. It's part of everything. It's unfair. It's not yeah. fair. I feel bad for the guy. It isn't. I, I did, too. I mean, he knew he was going to get surrounded by media. Jacob uh, Ram knew he was going to get surrounded uh, the other night in the clubhouse. He knew the questions were going to come. Mickey Calloway knew it was coming during his press conference. But what do you say in that situation? You hear the same thing. Basically, you hear the same things. No, I didn't do that intentionally. Or you'll hear an answer like, what do you think? As I just told you moments ago, it's a it's a matter of a judgment call, too, by the umpire behind the plate. Uh, but I think, again, Mike, the umpires are jumping the gun too fast on what's intentional and what's not. Again, we up in the press box, there seemed to be a little split about it. What, what we what we thought about it because at first when we saw this is that why would this be happening i mean why would he be throwing at, at him why would that be going on and then you know you want your answers at the end of the game and, and simply you can't get them and, and you know the only consensus we all had which we expected was what perhaps the next night, last night, there'd be some type of retaliation. And if it didn't happen last night, it'll happen again when they meet again in June down in Philadelphia when they meet again. Um, And I expect this again to intensify to be a rivalry now with these two teams even more because they're going to battle it out in the division. It's expected to be towards the end of the year. Absolutely. Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day, joining me talking about the Mets here on the off day. Normally we do Sunday podcasts, but with the news of the suspension, the the drama of the Philly series, and also the conversation around the rotation and what the Mets may do or may not do, because right now it looks like Jason Vargas is going to be the guy that is going to take the fifth spot. Before we get to the pitching, because that's been the, the real conversation. The Mets probably be a little bit better in the standings and maybe a lot better if you got the kind of pitching that you'd expect which is what you've been getting over, yeah. over the last couple of days with, with Wheeler and with, with Matt and things like that. Now, uh, going af- after the St. Louis game, I, I did a podcast and I was like, I, I still I think the Mets should have signed another starter in the offseason for depth. I know it's a challenge <clears throat> because you don't necessarily know if you can put a Gio Gonzalez, certainly not a Dallas Keuchel, or even a Vargas in the bullpen. That's not where they're necessarily yeah. going to be at their best. But the depth is in question. Now, I want to give a Flexen a chance. I want to give Oswalt a chance. Uh, uh, Gallo. All these guys, you know, maybe they have good stuff. Maybe Mickey Calloway and Dave Island see something in them. They failed miserably in, in small sample sizes. So now Gio Gonzalez yes, signs with the Yankees. Gio Gonzalez signs with the Yankees. Uh, he's not going to get called up. He becomes a free agent. And you figure at this point the Mets have seen, even though the results have been actually better than maybe people make out, Vargas has had only one really bad outing. You figure that this is a chance to address that, of which they did address in the offseason. They pass on Gonzalez, or at least the story is they pass on Gonzalez. Uh, you've been close to the situation. You've been doing some reporting. You've been trying to talk to sources. 
Uh, a, do you think that the you believe what the Mets say uh, that they're going to be okay with uh, Vargas? It's not really an upgrade getting a Gonzalez. Uh, or B, um, you know, is this a mistake? And, and is it possible on top of that that Dallas Keuchel is really the target that they want? I don't think Keuchel is realistic at all. I mean, let's look at it. I mean, uh, we're in uh, three weeks in. The guy will need a spring training, whether he's working at or not. Uh, I don't think the Mets would would open up their pockets to pay him the money now that he wants, which I hear uh, went up a little bit. Uh, and third, um, there are other teams that, that would bid for him before the Mets would. And I haven't heard any talk about the Mets realistically making a pursuit for Dallas Keuchel. They, they, they fit, as I wrote New York Sports Day uh, late last night, early this morning, was to have Gio Gonzalez to be that fifth guy. And if I can talk about it a little bit, what I didn't print, but the, is that um, it came down to the Jason Vargas contract, and it came down to Jason Vargas that they believe in, that we have seen now in his last two starts again, but we don't know if we're going to get that in his next start. He's so inconsistent. And it came down to Gio not wanting to be in the bullpen and Vargas staying in as that fifth starter. And after talking to Gio Gonzalez the other night, when the, when the Milwaukee Brewers made it official that they got him, Gio simply told me, he said, I did not want to be a bullpen guy. And in the case of the Yankee situation, it was the same thing. Gio Gonzalez is a quality starter. And I to blow away the arguments that he is not the same type of pitcher. True. He doesn't have the, uh, uh, look, the velocity still there. He's not going to give you seven innings. But then what, pitch, what starter really does today with what a manager's go to the bullpen? It, he hasn't lost anything. In fact, the curve, Gio's curve, might be at a, at a point now that it might be at the best of his career. And he, and he, the Yankee people saw that as he did as he pitched three times for them, but Scranton will spar. His fastball hasn't lost any velocity, and he is an innings guy. He'll give you some innings and keep your team in a game. Gio wanted to be a starter not a guy in the bullpen. And the Mets just felt that they needed to have Vargas in the rotation. And Gio Gonzalez said, agreed to that point. If you're not going to give me the starting role, I don't want to be a bullpen guy. I want a team that wants me in the rotation. Had the Mets said to Gio Gonzalez, we want you to be our fifth starter. That's your spot. We got you for $3 million plus these incentives that he had that we'd have in the contract. Then we're talking this weekend in New York, and G, right here, that Gio would be starting for the Mets and not for the Brewers, because I think he's going to maybe get to start Sunday afternoon at City Field against the Mets. And, and by the way, remember, as I also wrote, that Gio Gonzalez won pitch for the New York Mets. He's looked for this since last year. He, would, he made that comment. Remember, Mike, he said, this is my favorite ballpark. I love the fans here. I love pitching there. That's why he's had so much good success here. And instead, I think the Mets made a big mistake here. They should have worked something out and switched Vargas into the bullpen, which might have worked out because this bullpen to me is not 
as efficient and strong as everyone thinks it is. And Gio could have been a viable fifth starter for them. Uh, it just didn't work out. What What might be interesting is did they believe bringing in Gio Gonzalez and putting him as the fifth starter and then putting Vargas in the bullpen as the maybe the, the long guy or a guy that if Gio gets into trouble and can't go five, you bring him in. Sort of what Lugo could do, Gazelman, depending on how close the game is. If it's a blowout, they're not going to go with Lugo. Maybe they just simply thought, hey, Vargas just can't be a bullpen guy. He got lit up in the Minnesota game when he came out of the bullpen. He's a guy that's got to be on a routine. He's got to start. He's got to navigate his way through uh, a regular game. He can't be surprised about when he's going to come in. I wonder if there's any credence to that. Why, there why, could be, Mike. Why can't you just flip the roles? Why can't you give Gonzalez the fifth role yeah. and Vargas the bullpen? That's essentially what they were asking the other way around. I don't think. I don't. I don't think they wanted. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they wanted a. And uh, uh, in, in this is his, you know, the two-year contract, uh, uh, the amount he gets. I don't think they wanted that paying that guy that much money to be in the bullpen as opposed to being that fifth starter. I think that was another factor. And they just, and they stuck with their gut on that. And they felt that they, you know, we're paying this guy so much money. He's got to start, not come out of the bullpen. And I also think that uh, um, they were being loyal there to a point, but it caught me off guard because last week when Gio got rid of Scott Boris as his agent, and then went with the CAA group, Brody's former agency, uh, I, I was pretty certain, and after talking to Gio, I was almost assured myself, that is, after talking to Gio and uh, listening and putting everything together, that this was a cinch, that he was coming to New York, that he was going to be with the New York Mets. I was almost certain about that. But then it turned quickly with the bullpen starter role. Just like the Yankees, because the Yankees, the Yankees really wanted him as a part of the team, but they wanted to start him out of the bullpen and, 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 as opposed to putting him in that rotation because their young guys seem to be doing the job. Uh, Germain and uh, the guy they call uh, Lasagna. <laughs> That's the thing. But um, this would have been a perfect fit for Gio. He's comfortable pitching in New York, and the Mets would have got a quality starter as their fifth guy. And and let's face it, the rotation is struggling. Yeah, it will straighten out. I'm sure it will. I'm sure that pitching rotation will straighten out. But he would have been a perfect hit here. But fit here. But I can't I can't go against the 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 discussion that he's would be better off you know, not not being in that bullpen, rather as opposed to being a, as a starter. So I'm not going to go against that. It's just that I still think the Mets could have done something to have him here, and they would have been better off. Would have been a perfect fit for both. And you wonder if you look at his career, his best seasons have been with the Royals. I know he's had some injuries there, but Dave Island was the pitching coach. He won 18 yeah. games there in Kansas City. It seems like they believe in him now. There's the other conspiracy theory that okay, Vargas is a CAA. Client is that playing into that with yeah. Brody Van Wagen? And mm-hmm. Brody's just got to deal with that right now. He's going to always probably have to deal with that as long as he's in the position. Right, all, all the time. maybe down the road. I'm sure he knew that when he took the job. Yeah. Now, I mean, look, if you can get 2017 Vargas, and that's in, in the American League, a guy who was a little above league average, a guy who right now the real issue 
to be fair, and this is a, hopefully a correctable thing, it's the walks. It's getting behind hitters, and it's the walks. Because All if you look at his career, he walks about two per nine innings. He's up around five now. That's more than double what he normally does. And the yeah. entire staff, yeah. in general, the entire staff, and Mickey Calloway talked about this the other day, has been working from behind. So, yes, part of that may be pitching inside, and maybe that's, you know, they need to kind of, you know, recalibrate on that and, and go a little bit more aggressive and then go inside aggressive early in the count. And then when you get ahead, then maybe you can bust these guys inside. Now, that's just me playing junior pitching coach. But um, I don't think it's crazy. And I thought not signing Gio Gonzalez was a bad move. I thought they could use depth. Yeah. Because I, I worry well, that if think, one of these guys yeah. gets hurt, you got a problem. But when you look at the yeah, numbers. Yeah, they, they, had, they don't have that depth. Vargas, yeah. the Vargas that you signed after 2017, that's pretty much what you would expect numerically. If you just put the numbers up and you just block the name out, Numerically, he and Gio Gonzalez are not very far apart. Now, what I will say you, is right, right. Gio has the ability to go deep into a game and give you top-of-the-rotation performance. Not as often as he used yeah. to, but he can give you that. Vargas cannot. That may be where the difference lies. But other than that, they're very similar in a lot of ways. And you bring up the numbers game, too. That's another thing I failed to mention. Mike. It's that, uh, Gio kept bringing up to me analytics and that's what this game has come down to. And we've discussed this time and time again. Analytics is ruining this game. Game is being run by computers and these young guys that are telling the GMs and the evaluators, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to get. Now, analytically, Geo's numbers met the match. Okay? But to them, it did not. And that's another reason why it took him so long to get a contract he wanted. Look, he well, originally Gio wanted three years, $36 million. And when I started talking to him about this during the winter meetings, I said, realistically, three years of age. I don't care if Lance Lynn got that or, 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 any, or a couple of other veteran pitchers got that in the offseason. But I told Gio, I said, they lucked out, whatever it happened. But you know, this is what's happening. Analytics aren't meeting you. And – that's why you're not going to get the three-year 30, 36 million. Then it went down to the Mets, and the Mets were one or two in the running for him before, again, the Yankees picked him up and gave him that minor league deal. It was one year, $15 million. That was the offer. Uh, Scott Boris then was his agent, and then all of a sudden, that went out the window because the Mets field felt that they weren't going to pay a pitcher like him at his age one year, $15 million. I could understand that. If you're not going to give him $15 million and you wanted him that bad, then give him one year at $5 million. Make everyone happy. You're going to get a quality starter, a veteran that's going to pitch, going to eat up innings for you. It gets a lot of ground ball out, gives up the home run ball every once in a while, but keeps your team in ball games. And that fifth starter role would have been perfect fit. It didn't happen, and, and and I think that's why the Met fans, the Met fans are smart enough to know that they know what they have in Jason Vargas. I'm not taking anything away from him. He had a good September, August and September last year. Then he comes at the beginning of this season and look, you know, back to his old self. And now he comes back with two better starts, but doesn't go past five innings. And now you don't know what you're going to get his next time on when uh, in the rotation on the mound. Inconsistency. You don't. You can't have that from your fifth start. Everyone knows that. And that's why every Met fan was like, I don't, after me, where's Gio? We need Gio. 
And I just could not write about it because uh, I didn't want to. With Gio and I have this, you know, this. It's very unusual for a media member to get close to a ball player. It just, it just so happens that Gio knows some people that I know real well, and we were able to, you know, click with this uh, friendship that that we've known each other for a few years. Things off the record I couldn't write about. But now it's all uh, it's all in the books, and uh, I know the whole story. And when I'm asked, I'm going to tell what I know. And uh, the Mets, I think, really goofed on this one. Now I mentioned Keuchel. I mentioned you know not going after the starter. The other part of this, and I waffled on this because we've been talking about this on the podcast now for weeks because these guys are lingering out there, and there's very rarely in April can you go after and improve your club via free agency with guys like Geo uh, Keuchel. Uh, and then there's Craig Kimbrell. Now, Craig Kimbrell, to me, is a risk. Now, he's not going to just want a one-year deal. Now, Gio's the least – if you got to go rotation bullpen, Gio's the least uh, risky because mo- you're losing money at that point. You're not losing right. – you're not giving him a multi-year deal. Keiko, maybe you get away with a one-year deal, but there's a lot more money at play right now, $17 million it appears, if not more. Now, Kimbrell's interesting because – as I originally said, ah, you know, I don't think they need to play with the bullpen, and I certainly wouldn't give Kimbrell a multi-year deal. But if you told me there's only one shot, you get the starter or you get the reliever, I think right now the reliever is more important. Now, if Kimbrell says I'll play for a one-year deal, I would take that risk. What I don't like is people acting like it's a no-brainer with Kimbrell. Let's not forget, and I don't know if you were covering this game, Kimbrell was a hair away from blowing game four of the division series to the Yankees. A hair away. Yeah. Gary Sanchez probably uh-huh. missed the home run, a game-winning home run by about, what, right. five feet or something like that? Oh, yeah. Kimbrell uh, folded. He was horrible. Horrible. He made a big pitch yeah. against Stanton in that game, and, and I'm basing a lot of what I saw in that game because, to me, yeah. a, a, an elite closer closes uh-huh. that game out. They close that game yeah. out. Maybe there's a little trouble but they closed that game out. Mm, that game was closed, closed out, out for him. The Yankees. He was wild. He was very yeah, wild. The Yankees, the Yankees, you know, there was a, you know, when you miss a home run by, by five feet, that's a, that's a very thin margin of error. And then there was a great play right. made uh, on a ground ball and, and away you go. So Kimbrell, you know, has good numbers. He was bad down the stretch last year. I just, if it's a one year deal at this point, I probably would go with him over the starter because the bullpen right now is where I think they're going to have the need. I think you can navigate yeah. every five days with Vargas. And I think Vargas is a bigger deal right now because Syndergaard hasn't Kimbrell, and you know why. You know why the Mets aren't – Kimbrell's not in the picture. They have a closer. Kimbrell's a closer. Well, he and they're close. not going to put Kimbrell in the question. setup. Right? Yeah, well, Diaz is not, wasn't signed for that money in the amount of time to be a setup man. So that, and you don't I, think Kimbrell right would come here to be a setup? You don't no, think in this day and age? Absolutely not. No. It would right. be great for the Mets. Him. I mean, yeah, but I, I just no, I don't. I, Mets wouldn't be paying him money to be a setup man. They have it supposedly in in Jury's Familiar, who let's face it, Familiar has been just awful. He doesn't. Well, I mean, I say awful. No, because that's not his role. He, he and that started last year as we talked about it. Last year he comes in the eighth inning role. That's not him. He's a closer, and that's what he wants to be. He now he's trying to still fit into that spot, and he can't. And he's been awful. 
Um, I think signing Familia back was a bad move. I, I, I questioned it at the, be- at the beginning. Why bring this guy back? I mean, uh, he, he didn't do great in Oakland. He left the Mets awful. In Oakland, he was mediocre. He didn't help them much. He gave up a lot of runs when he was with Oakland in September and in, in, in that short postseason they had. Um, I, so I wasn't for that. Now, maybe they should have put the money into Kimbrel then instead of Diaz. But Diaz had the numbers, obviously. And Diaz had the analytics. I'll say that again. And that's why they gave him what they gave him. But Kimbrel coming to, to the Mets, uh, if he's going to be signed, he has to be the closer, not a setup man. So, Rich, uh, what do you got coming up? Obviously, you're at the ballpark. Uh, we, you know, we see you at New York Sports Day. Uh, you know, Geo's now with the Brewers. I'm, I'm sure if he's pitching yeah. this weekend, you'll, you'll get a chance to cover that, and it'll be that'll be yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'll be there all weekend. Yeah, it's baseball season now. What are you look so, What are you uh, looking at? What What are you looking at over the next couple of weeks for the Mets? What do you want to see? You know, things they're off to a, a decent start. Um, I, I like very early. Yeah, I have no 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 doubt that you know the, the hitting. Has been phenomenal. I like the way they go the other way at the plate. I like this, how they're going against the shift, and Chili Davis is a big part of that. Um, no, I just I, I love Pete Alonzo. You got to love the way you just look at this kid, his approach at the plate, the power he has. He, he's a ball player. He reminds me so much of David Wright. Uh, maybe the powers, he may be even better than that, but he's a David Wright look. He could end up being a franchise of this of, of this team down the line, uh, this kid. I love McNeil. I'd love to see McNeil in that lineup every day, and I'd rather see him at third base than in the outfield. Um, you know, I really think that, uh, you know, Robinson Cano is going gonna, is gonna to break out sooner or later, and, and that's a good signing that uh, – Brody May with the Mets. I think the Mets' uh, it's concern, and, and you know what I'm going to say, and it's hard to say this, is the pitching, not the hitting. Yeah. And, and but the what do they do there. with Jed? Like what do they do with Jed? Then what do you do when Jed Lowry eventually comes back, which I thought was a bad signing. I did not like that. It's still no need for that. you got to keep Davis on this team. Because uh, so, somebody's going to have to go. Uh, Maybe Dom Smith one thing goes do, down. Possible Dom. Yeah, Smith I hate. Played right. I'd hate to see that because Dom Smith. Uh, Dom Smith seems to be in his comfort zone right now. For him to go down again, it could break everything for this kid. Now, this kid worked hard again in the off season, and he, he may not get a start every day now. Here, uh, he could end up being trade bait. The Mets need something by the deadline in July. The end of July. Uh, so you hate to see that go. But one thing that the Mets have that they didn't have the last few years is that debt. They do have plenty of debt, and they can make some moves with guys if, uh, if someone goes down with an injury. It is an interesting team. It's a team to watch. You know, they hit, and, and that's a nice thing to see. Yeah, they got shut out last night, but uh, that's going to happen. Uh, but they know how to bounce back. They're a resilient bunch. This is a good team, but I'm concerned about the pitching, which is supposed to be their strength. Rich, always a pleasure, man. Always love catching up with you. Nobody better to talk about this stuff than you. Be well, my friend. Let's talk soon, all right? Uh, anytime, Mike. Thanks, thanks a million. Let's go Mets, okay? Uh, Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day. Love catching up with him. Uh, interesting uh, midweek, you know, a little treat. You know, with everything going on, why wait till Sunday to do a Talking Mets podcast? 
Let's take a quick break, wrap up, final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now that's Mets M-E-R-I-Z-E-D online.com and get Metsmerized today all right we're back uh, final thoughts uh, quick housekeeping uh, we did the podcast today uh, I thought it was more appropriate than waiting a couple more days on Sunday uh, as far as the next podcast let's see what the weekend brings let's see what Sunday brings and um, we'll, we'll have something definitely within the next week uh, or the following Sunday I don't want to just jam something down your throat, uh, but it should be an interesting uh, weekend series against the Brewers. Uh, let's see if the Mets, who won a series against the Phillies after a couple of disappointing series on the road, uh, can continue the momentum. I, I think a 6-4 and four homestand is a must. That's that's really the first time I'm going to say, I don't want to say it's a test homestand, but I really would like to. I think it's a 10-game homestand. 6-4, and 7-3 and three would be outstanding. They're off to a 2-1 and one start. And let's see what happens this weekend against uh, the Brewers. Of course, I want to thank Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day. Uh, always enjoy his uh, his time and, and check him out at New York Sport, nysportsday.com. Of course, I want to thank the good folks over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silver Media, and you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast pretty soon. Take care, everybody. Credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.